Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, look, it's almost a certainty that we're going to have a federal election at some point this year. I think it's no secret that the liberals are itching to to have an election. I don't know if there's as much enthusiasm with some of the other parties, but I, I think so much hinges on on the vaccine rollout, and it just seems like the kind of issue that, that can make or break this government. That, yeah, if everything goes great and everyone's vaccinated and everyone's feeling fantastic, that kind of euphoria, sure, you, you if you're a government, you want to go into an election on that. But if things don't go well, and they're certainly not going well at the moment, uh, that that's going to be pretty hard to overcome. Obviously, there are a lot of other issues uh, going on in the country at the moment and uh, ongoings within both parties, uh, to be sure. So plenty to talk about as we uh, welcome to the program uh, here this afternoon, uh, Elise Mills, uh, political commentator, analyst, also a, a senior associate with uh, Sussex Strategy Group. Elise, great to talk to you once again. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. I mean, let's start with the vaccine issue, because I think it's I don't know if there's a bigger issue at the moment for Canadians in, in ensuring mm-hmm. that this is rolled out as, as smoothly as possible. How much of a problem do you think this is potentially for the government at the moment? I think this is a very, very fast moving train coming down the track for Mr. Trudeau, and I think he should be very concerned by it. Um, just in the last hour or two, there has been some push uh, by the European um, Health Commissioner to have Mr. Trudeau call her because she is the one that has been talking about sanctions and levies or penalties against uh, uh, the, the, the companies distributing these vaccinations who she believes are in breach of their contract, but she says they're in breach morally as much as they might be in breach legally. I think that's a hard and very difficult path to go on just from my experience but i think mr trudeau i mean it's so interesting isn't it rob where Mm -hmm. you know three months ago he came out in front of rideau cottage which is where of course he's staying he's not at 24 sussex and um you know there was almost like this very celebratory feeling and that he was the hero of the moment don't worry we have secured millions of batches from different pharmaceutical companies we got you covered should have been the slogan for that day. And Canadians were running around, you know, very excited. And there I was, you know, with a little cloud over my head because I could, and I didn't want to be negative, Nancy, but I knew that there were a couple problems that I could easily see right away that just coming from my business of issues management, crisis communications, and my background in government relations, I knew it couldn't be that simple. And as it turns out, there have been a lot of issues. And one of the things I think we need to be really worried about is not just getting vaccines, but the quality or the accuracy of the vaccines that we are getting. The trials, um, and this is not on the pharmaceutical companies, this is on leaderships that are, are trumpeting these vaccines as the saving of the day. But every day, the goalposts shift, Rob. And even yesterday, Moderna put out a tweet that said, don't worry, 
our booster covers the variants, and then they clarified today it only covers the UK variant. We're very concerned about the South uh, South African variant or the idea of staggering out the boosters. I've never thought that was a good idea, and I know people in the legal community that can see the liabilities coming fast and furious. You know, who's responsible if they, because only one booster can be anywhere between 32 and 55 percent coverage for you, just depending, and it varies from um, pharmaceuticals. So Mr. Trudeau has that, which I don't think Canadians have caught on to yet, but then he has the broken promise, and all you have to do is roll tape from only six, seven, maybe eight weeks ago. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because it feels like the, the liberals approach everything like it's a communications issue, like they just got to, you know, improve their messaging as opposed to actually governing, solving problems, having some urgency in, in what they do. I don't know if they're trying to manage this problem so much as they're trying to find a, a better way to to communicate their their goals or their aspirations or where we'll be at in yeah. September or whatever. That cover role. Um, you know, it, you're right. It's actually a branding exercise. It reminds me very, it's very similar to the type of com- uh, uh, wording or tone or feeling you would see from brands like Lululemon or Nike. <laughs> it's a very, mm-hmm. we got it. You know, you can be the best Canadian you can be and we're going to lead you to that, to that light. And I think that what, what I'm hoping and my colleagues, when my colleagues, not just at my firm, but other conservatives or other people in my business are speaking, one of the things that has really stuck out to us is how quickly Canadians have forgotten about very important issues that were on the front pages of our national newspapers not that long ago. One of the biggest issues that we have around um, self-preservation as Canadians against things like pandemics or economic uh, downturns like this that are associated with issues that are out of our control um, is the lack of self-sufficiency we have in key sectors and emerging technologies. And how that relates to this conversation is that this particular government gave up on pharmaceutical research uh, pretty much from the get-go. They mm-hmm tossed out the pandemic plan and one of the things as a western maybe this is for for me as a western canadian canadian i'm more interested in having my government understand that they work for me so i would be expecting that the people i employ to illustrate to me what their plan is by making their plan their pandemic plan uh, transparent i would ask Premier Kenny that, I would ask Premier Horgan that, I'd ask all the premiers to do that. They owe it to us because what looks like happening right now is more of a scattershot approach, but there should be some pillars down and some hard and fast rules, Rob. And one of the things that we should have had in place is the ability to do research and manufacturing and pharmaceutical. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I think Pfizer and maybe other pharmaceutical companies and some of the lesser known pharmaceutical companies, and the West has some amazing pharmaceutical companies um, and biotech companies, but we don't hear about them. And it's because they don't, they, they have not been able to move the dial in their government relations and negotiations with this federal government, they have virtually been ignored for a very long time now. And so I can see why Pfizer is, why why the Prime Minister doesn't actually have a card to play with Pfizer and it would be the same with uh, with Moderna or any of the other ones because there's there's no way for him to hold them accountable. They just don't do their business here. And that's why the U.S. and the U.K. and Germany are going to fare better in this. And it's really sad that Canada's number 18 on the wait list for vaccination.
It is. And by the way, and, and you know, we're seeing more details reported, even the Globe and Mail had a big piece today on, on just how this, this deal with CanSino and the Chinese government last year really imploded very soon mm-hmm. after the government announced it. Uh, did you see this as, as problematic for the government in terms of this, this whole bigger narrative? Well, I think I, I would like Canadians to sort of rub their eyes and wake up from what I call just the COVID haze and I feel it too and as you and I said offline the other day when we were talking about me coming onto the show it's like drinking from a fire hose and 2020 was very much like that and I would say to your listeners anyone that thought flipping the calendar over to January 2021 was going to mean we were going to kind of get back to normal were kidding themselves and I understand that need that some of the survival mechanism but 2021 is going to be an incredibly transformational year socially politically economically and what's coming down the tracks is something that's really scary. If there's a boogeyman we need to be worried about, it's the intersection of the variants, which are getting stronger and tougher. I mean, WHO is saying wear two masks. Today, Rob, I wore two masks for the first time, and I was telling people to do that. I am very worried that by the time I get the vaccine, this variant or any of the variants are going to just mutate to a point where they're going to be almost impossible to vaccinate against. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but I think we need to be very realistic. And then there's the numbers that are coming down the line that Mr. Trudeau and other premiers are very aware of, which is why some premiers have called elections, which is why Mr. Trudeau is going to call one too, because he knows that he might have only one more term in here because he might be known as the tax and spend liberal. And it's going to feel like the 80s in this country. And I had a colleague of mine who's actually a liberal say the same thing to me this morning. He absolutely agreed. And what I want our, your listeners to understand is they need to pay attention to what we gave up on um, and that they need to, we need to pay attention that we don't understand energy in this country and how it moves. And it's not just about Keystone. Um, we need to pay attention to why we can't get that iPhone 12 right now or that Samsung 20 or 21. It's because we have been unable to, uh, those companies have been unable to get the minerals and chemicals that they need. Canada's in a position to be able to do that. So there's all these things, Rob, and I'm sorry, I, I don't yeah. want to ramble on, but it, it, it is, I, no. I see the country as a mess <laughs> right now. No, and, and these are all great points, and I'm glad you're, you're mentioning them. And by the way, what what are you hearing from people? I mean, it, the idea of an election, even any time before June, any time before the summer, seems insane to me in so many ways that it could backfire on the government. But are, are they determined to? What's What's your sense? I think Trudeau's pretty determined to have an election, but what he's watching is just, is a couple of things for him, uh, which I one I think is important, but number two I think he, he's looking to skirt the responsibility of the second thing that he's looking to, and the first one would be the vaccinations. Is this going to turn his way? Um, and I have a feeling it may not. Um, and I think it may not just be that the vaccinations are not coming in as fast and quick as they need to, but the variants have now turned the turned the the strategy on him. Um, And I think COVID has flipped the script on so many leaderships globally. I think Mr. Trudeau is aware that this is not a controllable situation. So he's going to wait and see where that goes. And he probably won't know 
uh, until about June. But then there's the other issue. He's going to try and push down the road the issues around the fiscal questions, the very things that you and I were just talking about, which is the state of our sectors. Um, and then he's got this problem with the United States, which is this Buy American program, and that he's got half the country wondering how they're ever going to make up the tens of, well, I shouldn't say tens, hundreds of thousands of jobs that the West mm-hmm. has lost since 2015. He's got to answer those questions. Yeah. Yeah. But if Mr. O'Toole does not, if Mr. the the problem is, is that he knows that right now Mr. O'Toole is not answering the most important question, uh, which is what would you do differently? Um, And we know as Canadians, and I think maybe in Western Canada, we know this maybe a little bit better. You cannot continue to shovel money out the door in a scattershot approach. And if you had had the pandemic plan, you'd know where to shore up, what the pillars were to shore up right away. Um, and, and recognizing that we had just come off of, I know this sounds like a long time ago, but we had come off the, ro- the railroad blockades from the Indigenous communities, and that actually hurt how we were distributing certain products. That actually was part of the problem in the early part of the pandemic, getting paper towel, toilet paper, those sorts of things, because that's all manufactured in Ontario. Um, but I would I would suggest that he's probably... Mr. O'Toole's got to start to say, okay, if I wasn't going to shovel money out, what is my plan for two, for phase 2.0, 3.0? I need to tell Canadians right away what, give them an outline of what my fiscal plan is and let them litigate amongst themselves whether that's something they can buy into. Again, though, it's going to be up to Canadians to decide. Do you really want to understand what's happening with this country? You've got to make a smart choice at this point, and it can't be over likability. It has to be over trust. Yeah, and that's that's so crucial. I mean, look, I, I get that there's there's a lot on Aaron O'Toole's plate. You know, he's he's still trying to shore things up as as a relatively new party leader. He's obviously dealing with some internal situations. This Derek Sloan thing is is one example of that. Yeah. And and I hope they're working on crafting this message, right? And and there, there's so many opportunities, I think, for them to to communicate this to Canadians, both in terms of a more responsible vision going forward, where the government has dropped the ball in these crucial areas. But is he up to it? I mean, what what's your sense? Well, I have to say that the team he has around him are some of the best conservatives I've ever worked with. And it reminds me of the good old days of working with the Harper team. Um, people may not have liked Harper, but I'll tell you, it was working with the team was an incredible experience. And as you know, Rob, I did a lot of talking head work during those years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think at some point it was 17 shows a week and a lot of wow. communications work on my side. And I have to tell you, there was a level of, professionalism that I haven't seen in a long time. And and the people that he has around him now are exceptional. And I'm very, very happy to see the predominance of women in his office as well, um, in the front part of the office, uh, you know, taking charge and taking ownership of those communications, of that communications work that we're talking about in the strategic planning. I think that um, Mr. O'Toole probably feels like it, you know, I hate to say it again, but drinking like a fire hose for the last few months since his leadership. He kicked off his leadership with one of the best acceptance speeches I've, I've ever heard, and it was because he did exactly that. He told us exactly who he was going to be, what he was going to do, and what he was going to commit to. Problem is, is Derek Sloan and ghosts of leadership uh, discussions from past had caught up with Mr. O'Toole. And as a conservative who supports Mr. O'Toole, 
I need him to be able to uh, address that and do that in a proactive way versus a responsive way and be able to sideline that issue by uh, crafting a plan that makes Canadians feel safer and secure and that it paints a vision for what the next decade in Canada is going to look like for all Canadians, not just Ontario and Quebec. Well, yeah. And I mean, look, I, I think the party's better off without Derek Sloan or the likes of Derek Sloan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a party. What's, what's... <laughs> <laughs> Small party by myself. Yeah. Party for one. <laughs> but do, do you think he handled it well? Or I mean, you know, I mean, could this have been handled better, do you think? I think where the problem began, um, and I wasn't even aware of this at that point, and I suggest that it was because COVID was happening and this was very much an online individual responsibility type leadership vote, right? It wasn't like we were at a convention and I was talking to other colleagues. I wasn't aware of how um, the conversations that were happening with Derek Sloan, um, and that to me, I will say, was disappointing. Um, But... And that's hard at times for me to reconcile, considering I am one of the people, it, just from my demographic and who I am, that he would target. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't believe that's the type of conservative party, uh, whether you're, you account yourself or count yourself as to be a religious person um, or not. I don't think that's representative of anything but hate. So to, you know, I think it's a good lesson for all conservatives and pretty much all politicians is that you can't play footsie with guys like this. Guys like Derek Sloan are in for the serious business of divide and conquer and of hate. And there's just full stop on that. There's no way to negotiate that. We don't negotiate with guys like this. And I knew maybe not what the conversations were with Aaron, but I was very aware of what Sloan was up to. And I would have um, loved an opportunity to debate him on TV or on radio because I found his behavior, his commentary so egregious. And it's just dumb as well. Like it, it just, it, for any conservative that feels a connection to Sloan, he, what he's done is he's, man, he's very manipulative and he goes to the weakest links and he talks he's actually talking down to people. He's assuming people aren't very bright and he's assuming that people no longer believe in in the the very things that Canadians are proud of. And I would say in Western Canada, he has been counterintuitive to much of our belief system. So I think Aaron O'Toole, I want to try and forget that those conversations have happened. And the only way I can do that and many other conservatives can do that is for him to be able to demonstrate what we believed he could be and i really believe aaron is that guy but he needs to show that to everybody else because it's obviously affecting our connection with those who want to vote for us and party members and average canadians and that gender gap that we're seeing in the new angus reed poll today really speaks to that i think rob Tell you, I would have paid to see that debate, uh, Elise. Uh, look, you we got to leave it there. We'll have to talk Go next ahead. time, Rob. Maybe it's a whole <laughs> I special. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I was going to say, I mean, you know, we got some interesting uh, weeks ahead, and uh, we'll, we'll have to catch up again soon. But uh, always yeah. appreciate uh, the time and the insight. Always great chatting with you. Yeah. yeah thanks so much. Stay warm today, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll try. Elise, <laughs> okay. thanks. All okay, right, take bye. care. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know. Uh, being on the West Coast, it's easy to say that. Elise <laughs> Mills, uh, conservative political analyst, uh, senior associate, uh, Sussex Strategy Group. Always some great insight on what's going on in, in uh, politics uh, in Canada. And obviously, you know, she's seen it from the inside. Listen, we got to take a break here. Uh, we're a lot, little long in that segment, but uh, lots more still to get to. We're back after this.
Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.